biotech takeovers, fighting obesity, and three top healthcare stocks, because this is where the money is. Hi, fools. Welcome to Wednesday's healthcare edition of Where the Money Is. I'm joined, as usual, by my fellow healthcare analyst, Michael Douglas, and we have a special guest star for you today, our biotech specialist, all the way in from San Diego, Brian Arelli. Brian, how are you doing? Good, how are you? And just because it is habit out of me, how's the weather in San Diego? It's beautiful. <laughs> actually, actually, it was insanely hot when I left. It was like 95 degrees. So, so jealous right now. <laughs> that, that's okay. Well, welcome, to, welcome to D.C. <laughs> where it's uh, gray and cold. <laughs> <laughs> Flew in in shorts and a t-shirt. I was freezing on the, on the metro. Well, we have a uh, we have a good show as as we always do for everyone. We have uh, some exciting takeover news uh, because it's healthcare. So. Because it's healthcare, exactly. We have some some deals regarding Alzheimer's mm-hmm. treatments, uh, some new obesity study, and then the three of us are each going to talk about one stock we like. So everyone should watch all the way through the end. But let's start with the takeover. Mm-hmm. We have Endo, which didn't consult Auxilium, but has gone after it with a two point two billion dollar offer. That is a thirty one percent premium. Michael, what are your thoughts? Well, what's really funny about this actually is that you know Auxilium is in the process of trying to buy QLT to um, to do the tax inversion in Canada. So it's kind of like you know big fish eating smaller fish, trying to eat smaller fish. Um, feels a little bit like a lot of the speculation about Allergan to try and escape Valiant. Um, Auxilium, of course, is up a ton today on the news, but management not nearly as happy as shareholders. They've adopted a poison pill, um, a, sharehold- a so-called shareholder rights plan at 15%. Uh, so uh, it, it, it's kind of a better fit, I think, than QLT because QLT and Auxilium had almost no crossover. Yeah. Endo and Auxilium are at least in kind of the same area, but um, uh, you know, <laughs> we're kind of going to have to see what happens from here. Brian, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, takeovers, it's, it's hard. They're just trying to get more money, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really what it is, right? So the management's like, well, if you really were going to, you know, this is probably not your best offer. So, you know, if you're going to offer, you know, if you're going to offer this much, maybe you can offer a little bit more. So that's what the poison pill is all about. And yeah. then, I mean, it's a, you know, will they offer more? It's sort of hard to tell. I mean, I think it's, it's a fair offer, but it's not. You know, with, I, they could probably offer more and, it's, and make it still a creative. Yeah. I mean, that's really the key here is that is that they have to make sure that they're that it that it pays off in the very beginning because this is, you know their drugs aren't really that. Uh, yeah, so sometimes aren't exactly you know blockbusters. No, but they yeah. are durable franchises and, sure. and they're branded, and I think that that's a good fit. I like it for Endo uh, as I. And I do think they will come back with a better offer. I mean, because clearly they didn't really negotiate this ahead of time. <laughs> uh, the poison pills, uh, sometimes you feel like it's there for the shareholders, sometimes for the management to keep their jobs. Uh, in this case, though, I do think Endo is going to have to up it. I mean, you're looking at um, whether it would be accretive. In, in, in 2016, estimates were sort of all over the map. But, you know, I still think it, it should add. I don't think a dollar per share in 2016 accretion is out of the question. Um, you know, Endo's promising what 150 million in synergies. Auxilium's been cutting expenses pretty pretty good, so they're going to have to probably work to get that. But but we'll see. I think it makes sense for Endo, and, and I actually don't think the story's over because now management's going to have to talk. And Endo really hasn't even done you know true due diligence. I don't. Th- I mean they've done some, but they haven't gotten Auxilium to open the books either. Right. right. It's definitely definitely a story we're going to want to watch very closely to, to see sort of what new drama occurs. This always seems to happen with takeovers. Exactly. Well, yeah. let's go from takeovers to Partnerships, Eli Lilly, AstraZeneca, uh, teaming up on an Alzheimer's treatment. Uh, it's a $500 million deal for uh, an oral Alzheimer's drug, right, Brian? Yeah, it's a, what is it, base, in- base inhibitor, BACE yeah. inhibitor. Um, and so, you know, it inhibits amyloid, uh, and that's the thing that makes the plaques in the brain that, that they think might 
cause Alzheimer's, but maybe just be an artifact of having Alzheimer's. So, so who knows? So success is not guaranteed. Success is, I mean, we don't know whether this is even the right strategy, you know, so, and a couple of base inhibitors have have failed due to safety, but maybe Mm -hmm. it's not a class effect. Maybe it was the individual drugs. One of those was Eli Um, Lilly's, right? Yeah. They were pretty adamant about it not being a class effect at the time. And then Roche, I think, has another one, had another one that failed. But Merck has one that they've already moved into phase three three on sort of somewhat good phase two data. So that's, that's all you need in Alzheimer's. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the thing about Alzheimer's is, is just it's such a big market that you can take shots on goal that are less than 50 percent. I mean, I think everybody would would agree that that there's a less than 50 percent chance that this thing is yeah. successful. But as long as the as long as the payoff is more than twice what you're going to put into it now, you know, it's a good bet. Right. I mean, it's like, you know, better, you know, flip a coin and and I'll bet you a dollar that you give me 10. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. why not? You know, and so, I mean, that's, it's just a numbers game, right? And Yeah, I think so. Yeah, no, it, it, it totally makes sense from that, from that perspective. Yeah, so we'll be watching AZD3293 yep. uh, as it goes forward. I think Merck is really the one to watch, though, right now, just because theirs is furthest along and we'll get the most data and see if, you know, there is... Uh, efficacy in this class, whether it, it can be safe on a larger scale trial as well. Sure. Uh, that's not the, all the Alzheimer's news we have, though, as well. The New York Attorney General, the AG, going after activists over the pricing, or not really the pricing, sort of what they're doing with Nemenda because they're switching the drugs there. Yeah, right. So they, they're discontinuing their uh, their fast release version and kind of trying to go for the slower release version, which has a better patent protection, right? Exactly. But sort of before the first patent expires, I mean, it, it feels kind of like what Teva maybe should have done with Capaxon mm-hmm. um, if they if they'd been. I don't know, maybe reading the tea leaves a little bit better uh, on sort of where they were going to go on legal uh, issues. And, you know, for background, Teva's trying to switch patients over to the thrice-weekly Capaxone as opposed to uh, uh, once daily. Um, But, yeah, an interesting tactic. You know, kind of hard to say what the legal case is. Uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, none of us are lawyers. (laughs) (laughs) Although you're a doctor, so that's something. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a good... From a from a business standpoint, right, it's a good idea. But yeah. in terms of uh, in terms of whether it's legal, I, I think people have tried to do it in the past. And I mean, it. Um, I think maybe um, Abbott did it with one of their with one of their tricor mm-hmm. lipid drugs. I think they pulled one of them off, and mm-hmm. bef- you know, as it was going off patent, so that so that patients wouldn't take the the generic version. I mean, that that's the whole deal here, right? Is they're trying to keep the generics from coming on the market. Um, because it's hard to switch back from the once daily or whatever it is, the slow release version, on back onto the the you know the quick release version. Right. Yeah. You know, I I like activists in general. I think ultimately, what, they may just not have to discontinue this. Unfortunately, depending on what happens here. But uh, activists is an interesting stock to me. I mean, they have a, a nice sort of pipeline. And you know they were mentioned the other day, and this is not a reason to invest. We should say this, but as a potential target for Pfizer as they're looking to invert again, AstraZeneca is still right at the top of that list. But if they went after activists, that would give them the scale to then break off that established products division like they were looking for. Certainly Pfizer wouldn't get any immuno-oncology out of it. But uh, it, it could be a, a decent fit if, they're, if they care more about inverting than stocking their pipeline. Well, it's not like AstraZeneca's, AstraZeneca's oncology portfolio is necessarily the biggest scale. You know, if they're really looking for an, uh, an oncology portfolio, there are better options out there. So, I mean, there is that piece. Of is, it. is activist big enough to in, for yeah, Pfizer to invert? Because it yeah, was think. like 20% of the yeah, new yeah. shareholders have to be. So I was... Yeah. No, I, 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 didn't, I haven't looked at the market cap. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, let's move on to our next 
topic, um, which is, I guess, not a surprise to anyone. It's a new study. But it turns out Americans are getting fatter still, um, although at not, not as rapid a rate. So we're slowing down, I guess, on the obesity graph, um, which, uh, but there is an increase in uh, belly fat, uh, primarily hitting uh, women and uh, I, I saw Mexican-Americans and African-Americans, uh, but men aren't faring too, too much better either. Any thoughts on this study or yeah. obesity in general? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, o- obesity is, is very much something that we're, we're seeing a lot of here in the United States. There are a lot of comorbidities associated with it. You know, you've got you know, your diabetes, congestive heart failure, mm-hmm. um, a lot of your ambulatory care-sensitive conditions that um, are really helping jack up health care costs in the country. And, I mean, it's, it's, there is, of course, an extended national conversation about it. There has been one for the last... I don't know, 15, 20 years, um, and I think that conversation is going to continue. Of course, there is also, um, you know, some of our farmers are definitely getting involved in that market. We've been, well, I wouldn't say beating the drum for it, we've been doing kind of the opposite for uh, Arena and, um, and Vivas, which both have obesity-fighting pills that have just not done well at all. Of course, there's Orexogen uh, now coming onto the market uh, with Contrave. Yeah. Ryan, what are your thoughts? I mean, I think all three of those drugs are, are trying to get the 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 dr- the they're treating the obesity by by um, by you know keeping you from eating right. versus like something like a Zafgen, which is trying to change the the way the body works in terms of breaking down the fat. So I think that's a much better strategy. Um, Zafgen's obviously much farther behind those three yep. drugs. We're talking about a couple of years, and they're probably going to immediately they're going to try for you know smaller markets of people right. who are morbidly obese. But that's kind of what I like about Zafgen is that they're going after an orphan indication. It gives them sort of a niche population to attack and and get approval through. Instead of you know we've seen Arena and Vivas have troubles on the market. Well, right. Troubles. Yeah, I mean, and the problem is that is that there's a really good treatment for obesity. It's not eating as much and and exercising more, and and those don't have any side effects, you know, beyond shin splints and and you know stomachs that growl, you know. So <laughs> and time wasted. And, I mean, you got to spend an hour running. I could just take a pill, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's you know. I mean, it, I think that I I think. I think doctors have to come around to it, and I think doctors will eventually, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't seem like it's today. We're going to pitch three stocks later, and I, I wanted to pitch Orexogen, but I just it's not cheap enough yet. I mean, because it's, it's going to be a few years. Before, doctors are really going to have to feel comfortable with it. After, yep. after seeing a couple of drugs get pulled off the market that seem safe in clinical trials, and then after they were on the market, they... You know, they got pulled off, you know, and some, of these, and some of these current drugs have also had some safety concerns yeah. through clinical trials as well. And, and right. But I think labor. I think doctors are got to be more worried about the unknown safety issues yeah, than the, the known ones. safety issues. I mean, they can deal with the known safety issues. Don't don't prescribe uh, Vivas's drug to pregnant women. And, you know, we're not going to have problems with with uh, birth defects, you know. So I yep. think those are OK. I think it's the it's the unknown Side effects that doctors are really going to be worried about because they, you know, they've been burned twice with with Meridia and Fenfen. Right. Well, we've seen uh, Novo also taking interest. So there, big pharma is it's not just smaller biotechs here. Big pharma is potentially ramping up as well. But let's move on to our mailbag. We have a great question uh, in today. It's from Mike 
F, and it says, what are some biotech stocks that have you excited right now? So when we got this, we, uh, we thought this would be a great chance for each of us to talk about a biotech that we really like. Michael, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. And by the way, Mike, uh, got to say, you've got a great first name. I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of uh, <laughs> fellow, fellow Mikes and Michaels. Uh, I'm going to pitch Amgen. Um, now, it, it, it's a big biotech. It's kind of the big biotech that gets a little bit forgotten, and that's mm. in part because it's not growing as quick as the others. I mean, it only... I'm putting that in scare quotes for those who are listening, only had 11% revenue growth year over year in the last quarter and 22% growth in earnings per share, you know, which is still you know, awesome. Uh, now, it's not to say that the, that the stock doesn't have head, headwinds. You, know, you look at Nupagen and Nulasta. I mean, you've got uh, oncoming patent expirations or patents already expired uh, from 2013 to 2015. That's a lot of revenue they're going to have to make up. However, you look at uh, opportunities like Evolucumab, the PCSK9 inhibitor, which helps control bad cholesterol. Um, you know, we have some indications, uh, post hoc analysis by a competitor drug, Alirocumab, uh, which is... Um, going to hopefully be marketed by Sanofi and Regeneron, that there may be some cardiovascular benefit. Again, post hoc analysis, caveat, 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 but there might be some good indications that we'll see some positive cardiovascular outcomes coming out. Um, <clears throat> Involucumab's up for, um, up for approval in front of the uh, European and U.S. regulators. It's a potential two, two and a half billion dollar drug. You've got Kiprolis, uh, Multiple myeloma could be a $2 billion drug. I know that in overall survival, it fa- failed in the focus trial, but uh, progression-free and Aspire was still almost nine months. You look at valuation, Ford price to earnings 15 or 16 times. Uh, that's not cheap, but that's significantly cheaper than Celgene at 19 and Biogen at 20. Uh, oh, and it pays a dividend, unlike just about any other biotech ever. Well, that's uh, what biotech investors are really looking yeah, for. Yeah, a dividend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but it does kind of, it brings in the general inv- generalist investors yeah. that, that wouldn't normally be interested in biotechs, that would be interested in the pharmaceuticals. And so that kind of props up the stock price, you know, yeah. and it puts a floor on it if something bad happens, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's not, it's not a great dividend. It's still 2%, which is not terrible for healthcare. So, you know, a dividend in biotech. So there's, there's my pitch for Amgen. Brian, how about you go next? Yeah, I'm doing ISIS. Um, and so there's basically there's two kinds of, there's been two kinds of ways that, that, we've, in, that we've, you know, treated, uh, we've developed drugs. We either develop small molecules, um, which are basically, they bind to proteins um, typically, and they either activate the protein or they, they inhibit the protein. And then we've got biologics. Those are either proteins themselves that just do whatever the body would, you know, the, the natural protein um, would do in the body, or we have antibodies, um, which are also biologics. And those, basic, those usually tend to bind to proteins and inhibit them. Um, but so ISIS has a third uh, technology, um, which is antisense RNA. So RNA, you know, you go from DNA to RNA to protein. So if you inhibit the RNA step, you don't get any protein. So it's basically doing the same thing that an antibody would do, um, but instead of binding to the protein, you eliminate the protein's production in the cell um, by putting in these, these anti-sense um, RNAs. Um, and so they have, I think, 20 different uh, drugs in, yeah, in the clinic. Like in the that. clinic, more than, I think it was more than 20. I just looked, and, you know, there's like more than 20, and they have a whole bunch of partners. They have um, Biogen as one of their partners. Yeah, and, and you know, so basically everybody's sort of wanted to get a piece of this, and it's been around for a really long time, and it's sort of taken this, they've, they had trouble, you know, developing the, the drug, drug so that they wouldn't get destroyed in the, in the body, so they had to, like, put caps on the ends of the, of the inhibitors, and so, but I think they basically figured out it, and so they got a second generation um, drug that 
using their second generation technology that's already approved Kynamero. And I, I don't think that's really the story um, because it has, you know, competition with the uh, Juxtapid. Um, so I, I, I don't think that's the story, but I think the technology is the story. And I think yep. that it's the platform and the pipeline and all, and all those partnerships. Yeah. And they've done a good job almost creating a sustainable revenue stream yeah. from all the milestones and the partnerships. Right. So I'm going to finish up with one of their partners and another big biotech, and that's Biogen. I love Biogen. I'm going to be a little brief because our producer is frantically waving at me that we're, we're starting to run out of time for the show. But uh, Biogen, it's a huge multiple sclerosis producer mm-hmm. uh, or drug producer. They have Avonex and Tasabri. They recently launched Tech Fidera. Uh, is the oral multiple sclerosis drug. It's been uh, just a huge success. Uh, the stock popped, what, 11% on their most recent earnings. The market was underestimating uh, how well this drug would do in the EU. I think it still continues to a little bit. This, this drug could be, you know, a six, seven billion type uh, blockbuster. Uh, they also have a hemophilia A drug, Electate, which is a nice blockbuster in waiting. They have Plagrity. Uh, that's been approved. It's priced near Avonex. It's uh, Dosed every two weeks versus uh, Avonex is once per week. I think that'll actually hold up even as Capaxone goes generic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we talk about pipelines. Some people say ISIS has the best pipeline in biotech. I think Biogen uh, might be even better. Uh, they have an Alzheimer's drug. Certainly we talked about, you know, how hard it is to, to get one approved. But it looks like it's uh, a more effective version of um, the Eli Lilly drug, Solonezumab, that failed. But what's most exciting is their uh, next-gen multiple sclerosis treatment, Antilingo. It's going to actually potentially revolutionize how we uh, go after multiple sclerosis, um, you know, slows down the immune system. So uh, it actually looks to restore nerve function. Very exciting stuff. Uh, this is a stock that I think, yeah, it's gone on a huge run, but I still think there's, there's tremendous upside. And if, if there's ever a pullback, Biogen is a stock that should just be right at the top of your watch list. Yeah, and what's really impressive is that they haven't really uh, cannibalized their other, drug, their other multiple sclerosis drugs. I think that was, really, that was really the big worry, and I think that's why it's gone up so much is because yep. investors were really worried that, that they were going to cannibalize their other drugs, and so they were just going to be switching revenue from one stream to another, and that doesn't really you know, increase profits unless you know, the margin's better on the, on the new drug. Drug. Yep, which uh, often it tends to be. Yeah. But uh, that's, uh, that's one of the beauties of investing or in creating new drugs. Anyway, thank you for watching, everyone. For Brian and Michael, I'm David. And uh, stay tuned for tomorrow's Energy Where the Money Is, and we'll see you back here for Healthcare next Wednesday. Fool on.